Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am uh, Jeff Ruder over here. Hi Jeff, how are Hi. you doing? I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, both both rocking the blue sweaters. It's the yeah, official it's, um, official wardrobe of the 551 podcast. I've got I've got a, a a powder blue. What what color is are we calling this? This would be It's a little too light to be a royal blue. Cartoon Superman blue. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. All right. This would be the crayon of it. And yeah. Excellent. Ready to go then. All right. So, what is this thing? Uh, this is a, a podcast. We are uh, this is the inaugural podcast of uh, Fifty Five One uh, from the website Fifty Five One, uh, and you and I both write for that website. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, this week. We're going to talk about uh, quite a lot with um, Lobob going to Swansea. We've got Big Sam coming to Minnesota, which is huge Confirmed. news. Confirmed. Um, and then we've got uh, deep. Uh, dark sadness to to delve into for Minnesota. We should have launched this podcast on an actual decent week. There will be no decent yeah, week. The, the yeah, we, the it's going to be a while until we have that. Yeah. Um. So, without further ado, let's uh let's do the music thing and then come back with the good, the bad, and the weird. Welcome back to the 51... Po- wow, I don't know the name of our podcast. It's the 55-1 Podcast. This is Jeff here. Wes is snickering silently at me for messing that up already. And let's start off the good, the bad, and the weird with a quick in memoriam for Labob. You gotta, yeah. You gotta kill the name, right? Labob didn't last that long. Labob Bradley, uh, for a while he was the American pharaoh in Norway. Mm-hmm. And then he was uh, Labob, uh, the... Um, I, I, I actually forget... Uh, Pharaoh in French, but I would always have it written down somewhere. Um, and now he's off to Swansea. That was the big news that just dropped. Everyone woke up this morning mm-hmm. when the first thing they when they checked Twitter or whatever, um, this news broke and it was uh, big. So this is the good. This is uh, the this good. is a this good is the story. This is probably the best story we'll get to talk about for the rest of this year. And <laughs> last week, actually, we did a fake episode to try to get a sense of how quiet my voice is compared to yours on microphones, which is uncanny, and uh, what we wanted the format to look like. And I think I basically said that Bob Bradley to Swansea was just tabloid fodder and it would never happen. And four days later, it happened. So it would, That would have just died to the three people who, uh, who listened to that episode, but <laughs> you decided to bring it back. Yeah. Um, so... During the off season, sometime in the last year, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the space, but um, Swansea, who were a uh, supporters trust, sold part of their team to um, American owners, and um, among those American owners, Landon Donovan. I'm, I'm not sure he's one of the big money people, but uh, now these American owners brought in their American coach. There there've been a lot of good articles that came out this week about or today about it. Um one was New York Times, I think it's Rory Milton. I'm going to I think that's I'm going from memory. Um he talked about how they interviewed a bunch of people and one of those people came in and uh you know the one of the questions was how would you set up uh for the match against Arsenal um which is going to be the first match that um Labob ends up uh in charge of the team and one of the guys was like uh oh we just need to run harder and, and do stuff like that and <laughs> and bob came in 
and apparently gave them a, a kind of comprehensive uh, discussion about here are the weaknesses of these players, here's here's the strengths, and here's what I want to play up on. Here are the, a couple of the options that I would go with, and apparently just wowed them. I think if I remember right, that was his senior project at Dartmouth <laughs> that he'd thrown together his thesis, and so yeah. he was ready. Yeah, he had a diorama and everything. Yeah, it was fantastic. And the mobile he put together <laughs> of all the Swansea players running around Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, magic. Absolute magic. Oh, that would be great if if there was uh if interview job interviews, managerial job interviews involved Suboto. Suboto is that how you say that word? I only ever see it written. It's the little like figures uh in England they all, all the kids Oh play. yeah, so all those like Figures Jose the, Mourinho's guys all just have huge asses. Yep, exactly. And they're tiny people with yes. huge asses, and he's just saying, "Yeah, well, we're gonna get them." And that's it. That's his whole game plan: is we're gonna have the largest asses in the league, and we'll win the league because of it. This Bob Bradley thing got taken to a weird place. Um, <laughs> uh, other other good news is you want to talk about the one of the other goods is U.S. Men's National Team roster. The, the former team he coached when he was known as so it was LaBob, American Pharaoh, and Bob Bradley. His nickname during the U.S. M&T days I think was Bob Bradley. Yeah. So his roster, not his roster, Jurgen Klinsmann's roster for two friendlies, one against Cuba, one against the New Zealand Kiwis. Uh, it's got a lot of fresh the faces. All whites actually. The all is that really yeah. interesting? Because the the rugby team, oh, the rugby is, is teams, the all the blacks, blacks. And the, yeah, that's right. All that's fantastic. Yeah, actually, yeah, that makes sense. There you go. The more you know. So the the roster has a lot of fresh faces. Uh, you're going to see three goalkeepers who have not been in contention for starting play over the last eight years. Um, you're going to see David Bingham from San Jose, Ethan Horvath from Moldy, who you highlighted as a potential target for Manny Lagos to scout in your article. I think it was two weeks ago now on 55-1 as Manny Lagos went off to Scandinavia. And then William Yarborough from Club Lyon, teammate of Miguel Ibarra. I think that Horvath is the most likely to start of the three of them. He's the youngest. He's playing very well for a club that's well-managed, certainly, and he's only 20, 21 years old. And so I think there's a lot invested in him being the one who will take over the reins from Howard and Guzan. Has Horvath ever started for the U.S.? Has he played? Does he have an actual appearance? I don't think he does. I know Bingham got Um, one of the January Camp Cupcake games. I'd be really curious, because I I have no sense of of who is actually the most likely. Yarbrough, I I think, I thought he does. He does, yeah. As well. Um... Yeah, I mean, the the main thing to to draw from this is that you've got MLS playoffs going on, and even though there's no playoff games this weekend, um, likely a lot of these players are going to be pulled out because of that, um, players. We'll do uh, quick hits on the defense because most of them are returning faces. You have Steve Birnbaum, John Brooks, Jeff Cameron, Omar Gonzalez, Fabian Johnson, DeAndre Yedlin, and then the return of Timmy Chandler to the chagrin of most national team fans, actually. Yeah. He's been very consistent for club and very inconsistent for country. So hopefully he's able to... A lot of people... I think I saw articles from... I'm trying to remember where this one was. I think it was MLS analyzing it, saying that this was pretty much his last shot, or it should be, after how many miscues he's had on the national, international game. So I'll be curious to see how he does on defense. But you only have three fullbacks in that roster, so... And Fabian Johnson is probably a winger at this point, so kind of two. So, I mean, we won't go through the whole thing. What stands out to me is um, Lyndon Gooch, uh, who a lot of U.S. fans have been watching because, hey, here's this guy who was not much on people's radar uh, before this year is now starting for Sunderland, uh, even though 
starting for a terrible team. Um, and then uh, Perry Kitchen, captain of Hearts of Midlothian, one of my favorite uh, nomenclatured teams. Uh, then you've got, you know, people will complain about uh, Chris Wondolowski coming in with the forwards. Julian Green is kind of a surprising thing. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of young people getting their shot here. Even though this is the lead up to a really big qualifier with uh, Mexico, they still have to bring in a lot of young guys because people are finishing out their their MLS. Yeah, seasons. Jermaine Jones has been out for three months. Kyle Beckerman's been kind of out of the out of the picture for the last couple of call ups, and then one other, and we're going to call this the bad for the week. Clint Dempsey was announced to be out for the rest of 2016 after his irregular heartbeat has not been settled, so he'll miss the playoffs for Seattle. And he'll also miss these qualifiers against Mexico and Costa Rica coming up in November. Yeah. Um, go back to, the, like you said, we, we don't have much bad this week, which I, I guess we're going to just make that the last half of the show when we talk <laughs> about Minnesota. But um, the other good is, and I won't belabor it, but Tottenham 2, Man City nothing. Uh, it was a, a genius game. Uh, I, I'm Pochettino. I've, I've got a, a cross-stitched... Uh, Cross stitch of Pochettino over my bed at this point, um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's beautiful. So I I just just want to take is that him. Pep's first loss. It uh yep ever Great. in his in his career. Good. Um yeah yeah it was beautiful. So let's just take a a moment and savor that. Okay, that was a really good moment. Uh, let's go to the weird, uh, and, and the weird is um, Big Sam Allardyce coming to Minnesota United FC. Didn't um, see that coming. I mean, I guess it makes sense. We woke up to news that Bob Bradley was heading off to Swansea. So today was a big, big day for managerial signings. And then suddenly, after one match, leaving in disgrace, Big Sam from the English national team. Did I hear right that tonight he's in a box at the Vikings game with Dr. McGuire? They're signing the deal, yeah. Oh, that's great. No, so the the, uh, the the background of this, um, if you didn't uh, follow the, the bizarrety, uh, live um, was I think in the the uh, depths of despair of Minnesota United, uh, some Minnesota United fans looking for something to think about other than losing all the time. Now, um, the story came out uh, in the Daily Mail. There's a completely hilarious story that was obviously planted by Allardyce's people, which was Allardyce looks to revive career in U.S. In in no way was the the story um, the type of story that I would actually write because there's no evidence that anyone wants him in the U.S. Especially, I, I don't know what the skill set. Basically, his skill set is avoiding relegation. So which Owen Coyle had? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So great. You, you that's that's perfect. Um, that'll work perfectly in MLS. And uh, and so a guy named Luke Craig. Uh, Start, just said quite blatantly at 10 p.m. on a Sunday night, I'm just going to start a rumor that Sam Allardyce is going to Minnesota United FC. Bill Stenross, one of the editors of 551, uh, proceeds to follow suit on that. Then stupid jokes ensue. No one really cares. In the morning, uh, Bruce McGuire, who's certainly the most uh, well known and prominent Minnesota United fan, uh, just makes a joke in a very Trumpian, uh, Trump esque, uh, way which was a lot of people are talking about about this and um and from there it just kind of people started bubbling up and and i think i attribute this to the fact that the big news was bob going to 
uh, Swansea. And so on a normal day, if this was the larger news, people would look at it and they would be like, that's not real. And they'd dismiss it. But because people were just distracted enough that this was a, an afterthought, um, I know that um, I feel bad because I know Jason Davis uh, uh, talked about on his Sirius X, XM uh, show and he doesn't, he didn't have time to research it. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> think that's bad at all but then there were articles published by minneapolis city pages and uh nbc sports that talked about it as real as they talked about reports and rumors and every tweet about this was big people lots of big big people are talking about this right. it was all so right. and we found a beautiful picture from when minnesota united was on their training trip in england a couple of years ago where manny lagos was standing next to big sam and they were chatting in their track suits yeah and, and so we I, cited it about yeah, 50 times yeah and that my my version of that tweet was was just uh here is a photo that i didn't you know and and, and the same thing someone found one with him and david moyes and right. and breaking here is a photo it's not not giving, so it was it was totally stupid um, and gave us just enough joy to to think about how dumb it was. I did, I was keeping tabs on whether or not how much media were contacting the team about it, and apparently, I think only some local media kind of called to, to or messaged to figure out if it was real. So we didn't get any real big. We'll big wait fish until Landon Donovan wins Playoff MVP, and then we'll announce that. Uh... Julius James is the first designated player in club history, or Andre Gatsmanov or something, and uh, then uh, we'll see if that takes off. Gatsmanov would would actually happen, um, <laughs> right? So let's let's just finish the the good, the bad, and the weird with um, uh, MLS playoff update, um, and just just look at how that's going because you have both. Um, this is the bad part is you have both MLS finalists from last year struggling, and maybe they won't make it to the playoffs. It's Portland. Who are uh, currently sitting outside, um, outside the playoff spots with um, forty-one points. Right above them is Sporting Kansas City with forty-three, and then in the East, Columbus are they're certainly out of it. They're not technically right. out of it. They would have to pretty much win out with two teams above them losing essentially every single game. I think that's pretty much over for them. So it, that's weird. I'd say that's as weird as it is bad. It's tough to see where it all went wrong. Uh, Columbus, I mean, there was obviously the chemistry issue at the beginning of the season with Kai Kamara and uh, Federico Higuain, and then ultimately being placed by Ola Kamara, who's done admirably as the starting striker up there. But I, I think it's equally weird to see that a lot of these teams are just floundering. Seattle is obviously on the rise, having worked their way from almost 10th up to 5th at this point, and with a game in hand on Real Salt Lake and only a point behind, so they'll probably get to 4th. But then if you look at it, DC United has also been trending upward, but Montreal, Philadelphia, Sporting Kansas City, you know, these are some teams that are really losing their momentum right towards the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of a little bit of skid marks in their pants. And um, I, I, I think um, for Portland, it's they won MLS Cup last year, but they snuck into the playoffs, you know. Right. Um, you have that. That's kind of the the problem with MLS Cup, which is it, it kind of gives us the false impression that someone is good. Caleb Porter got a very big trophy for his team, but I mean, it's not a complete surprise that they're a a B level team right now, maybe even a C level at times. So, and, and Columbus as well. I mean, with all the turnover they had, certainly. And, uh, I mean, the Eastern Conference, well, it, 
at the top is probably a little bit weaker than the West. It's pretty steady. I mean, Orlando was finally eliminated this week. You've got Chicago, obviously, has been out since week four, um, and a bunch of other teams that are kind of just in the middle tier. So it was always a little bit of a dogfight out East. So it'll be interesting to watch. We've got two weeks left. Some teams have three games. And, uh, I mean, obviously, once you get to the 16th and the 23rd, every team plays on the same day. So it's going to be really exciting to follow for the last two. Um, so let's take a break. We'll come back and um, we'll rend our garments, put uh, ashes upon our head, and, and start the Minnesota United section. Okay. Uh <laughs> yeah. Embrace the embrace the uh the deep deep uh darkness. Um welcome back to 551 podcast. I'm Wes and we've got Jeff here. Uh we are going to go into a dark place and I hope you're prepared for this. Um but we're going to talk about Minnesota United FC. They lost their fourth straight match at home to a team that has won four games all this was their fourth game all year. Uh, they had only won one match in their entire history away from home, and um, they are not a good team. No, they uh, they and haven't yet. been a playoff contender by any stretch. They're a team that has potential. You could say they've got a manager who came in in the middle of the season after Tony Miola was fired, who's done, I mean, to his credit, a pretty good job of turning it around, but... As a whole, I, I don't know, the, a home game, just like the Ottawa game, which we said a couple of weeks ago after the match, it's a game that they should have won. And especially if this club has playoff aspirations and really wants to make a challenge in the playoffs and not just kind of back their way into the four seed and then uh, wave one last time to the crowd in New York and then leave, you know, they've got to do better. Uh, case in point, they didn't have a single shot on target during the Jacksonville game on Saturday. That's a remarkable stat. Um, you know... Th- my question coming out of that game, my two questions that I have not been able to answer, I've been thinking about them a lot, is who was good in that match and who was bad? So, like, if you were doing match ratings, who doesn't get a five or six? Yeah. Did did, did anyone fall below expectations? Uh, Kevin Venegas uh, did a poor job of marking his man. He let his man go in the 87th minute. And he was free, and he got a, a a header, and he scores a goal. Damien Lowe gave up that foul, if I the foul that led to the free kick that led to the goal, if right. I remember correctly, and uh, well, I think had a a subpar game. Also, should have gotten a red card, I think, at the end for I didn't exactly see what he did, but it was um certainly it was a very common refrain for him of lashing out at someone and being kind of uh he should have learned that lesson by now you'd hope so i mean dude's 22 but i mean this has been a recurring theme all season certainly and i think more games than not i can think of it's been either a yellow card or a a strong caution uh late in a game for him but who who else i mean uh, i can't think of anyone else who I, i i saw i mean Goal wasn't Sammy's fault. Yeah, pitch colon, I think, didn't have a, a particularly good game. I think Danny Cruz coming back. I was very excited to see Jamie on the left, Danny on the right. I think Danny, 
I don't think Danny was very good. Unfortunately, first twenty minutes he looked pretty good. He had the same spark as usual, and then it, yeah. it just kind of it looked like a player who had been on the bench for almost yeah. a month. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it looked to me like um like either trying a bit too hard or just not being uh, completely um sharp. I thought Jamie on the left actually looked good. I think the the biggest opportunity of the game for Minnesota was a was it off of a free kick corner kick and the ball bounced out to Jamie who then centered it a little bit and then took a, a hard shot again for the third straight week Jamie Watson creates a chance purely off of hustle and grit and yeah. then it goes off the crossbar this time and bounces away but you had a lot of players who I thought Ibsen uh Jamie Christian um was it J.C. Banks to the first half. I think J.C. Banks really, really tapered off in the second half. Yeah. But J.C., um, there was a, so much great interplay there, um, but it just didn't come to anything. And so, obviously, the whole team needed to be better. But it's really hard for me to think of, like, well, what what could be better? You just need to be better. Yeah. You need to score a goal. You and need one to- area we haven't talked about is the left side of the back line. Davis and Coleman, they were solid, but, I mean, the goal wasn't, on their side of the field, so it's tough to say that they had a bad game, but I can't say there were many attacks coming on the right side for Jacksonville. Coleman, I mean, Coleman had the one notable poor header clearance that kind of went up and, and almost led to a chance, and I said, that was the first half, I said to whomever I was next to, like, well, thank God Jacksonville are terrible, because um, that, that was an opportunity gifted them. Yeah, so that's that's the difficult part, and I think that that has been my frustration all season long. Is when we lose a lot of those games, I come out thinking we weren't that bad. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, there's there's notable games: the Tampa Bay loss at home, Miami loss at home, Miami, Miami loss at home. But for the most part, it's just been like we we attacked, we did these great things, like Ryo OKC uh, away that that early really terrifying loss. Mm-hmm. The team was not that bad in many ways, but they were not good. And so, I, and I don't know what to attribute that to. One thing that really caught me off guard was how late it was before the first substitution was used. I think it was the 70th, 75th minute before the first sub and then 82nd or something for the second sub. It was just, you could see tired legs. You could see parts of the game plan that were just stalling, you know, after 70 minutes where it was clear Jacksonville was picking up on the passing lanes or was really cutting down any dangerous possession, but nothing was changing. Yeah, but I, at the same time, I looked at that bench and thought, well, who's going to change that, right? Is Spee's going to gonna come out there and, and give you an extra spark? He just, he's not fat, like, he, he's such a lethargic player, it feels like. But at I, that point, if you're looking to get Christian in the back line, you know, and to find those pockets of space and then have a lofted ball over. Spees has been good at delivering that ball for the most part, either a through ball on the ground or over. So it was something that he could have done there. Pino ended up being brought in first. You're right. I mean, it is tough to see who it would, who the logical substitutions would have been to really improve. But it was also pretty tough for me to say that the guys who are out there were the best guys once you got to minute 74. So, so, uh, let's not belabor. It. I'm I'm very curious to keep hearing from people what they thought uh, was was bad or, or good. Um, uh, I think that it's just general frustration at this point um, because the team is going into these last few games, and and the frustrating thing is that they still certainly could just clinch the spot. Right? right. They could turn it on at any moment. I, I tweeted before the match that 
the last time we won a championship, we barely snuck in by one point over Montreal Impact into the last playoff spot and then went on a tear, beat Tampa Bay, Carolina, and then Fort Lauderdale. Um, but this week, they've got this. This is the, the week. The Wednesday at Tampa Bay is, is basically their season. If they lose that, then Tampa Bay, um, who they're tied with on points, uh, go above them, and Tampa Bay also have a game in hand. So they need to go to Tampa Bay and Puerto Rico, not get Zika, and... <laughs> again. Yeah, exactly. Again, yeah. And yeah. and they need to win. And and uh, and then they need to come back, and they need to do it against... Who do they have? Carolina away? and Whatever. We don't have to Edmonton, it, Carolina, New York in order. Yeah. yeah. And I was talking with Jamie Watson, Aaron Pitch, Colin, as a part of the, the post-game scrap. And basically, we agreed if they don't get four points this week, it's over. Just between swaying momentum for the team themselves and primarily taking points away from Tampa Bay, not as much Puerto Rico. You want to get three points because you're you feel like you're a better team, but that Tampa Bay game is massive at this point, and it didn't need to be. Yeah. But after and, those Ottawa losses at home and on the road, for that matter, and then the Jacksonville one, it's a must win. The major advantage is that no one in this league they should just make it a three-team playoff. Um, at this point, it, it should just be give New York Cosmos the bye. And then, yeah. And then let the other two teams yeah, duke it out. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. I mean, no one, just, just the, the fourth spot is just who's who's less of a tire fire. Um, so it's it's just basically like turds floating around and you're trying to flush them, but they, they're too buoyant. Um, but I want to look forward to uh, other things that are going on with Minnesota United, which is um, Manny Lagos got back from Scandinavia today. From his scouting trip, uh, I did a scouting, the scouting report uh, a week and a half ago or so on 55-1. And the, the the main primary names that came out of that were Josh Gott, um, uh, who plays for Molde. Uh, uh, people, you know, you can go read this article, but people will, he'll be on some people's radar a little bit. He's a U.S. player, um, 25. He spent the last three years injured. Uh, just repeated injuries with his knees, uh, but he's come back and he looks really good. He looks fast. He and uh, he's the one player I do know is a target. I know that I've heard it now from several uh, sources that um, that he certainly they are looking to make him uh, one of their their player. But every other MLS team is is scouting those guys. So. We'll see. But maybe they can just claim to have discovered a former U.S. youth international player and have found him and put him on their discovery list and get the rights to him. Um, you also mentioned a couple of guys who are playing who aren't on people's radars certainly as much, but would be pretty savvy pickups. Yeah, Sammy, uh, Sam Adebengro. Adebengro, yeah. Adebengro. Um, he is a 20-year-old, um, I believe, Nigerian. So this part I'm going from memory. Um, he is a winger. He plays for Viking and... Um, He's one of the most talked about uh, players in the league in terms of who is likely to be, it was pointed out to me uh, by someone that, that he is likely to be um, one of the big targets. And Manny went to see a Viking match. Um, the other guy is Mahatma Oto. Uh, he is a 24-year-old Ghanaian forward. Um, he's on a free. He's available on a free, as is Josh Gott. Um, and... So December, they'd be able to sign him. He wants to go to a bigger club. So he's gettable, I think, but he's thinking probably Europe. And can they get him? He'd be a DP, I'm sure. 
Um, but I talked to one player who's played against him and said he's the best for one of the best two forwards in uh, Norway. Sure. And uh, Aga Benro would also be a DP pretty safely. He would need a transfer fee on top yeah. of a salary that would yeah. be respectable for a player who's also probably a target of a lot of, I mean, I could see German clubs going after him with kind of the new inverted winger that um, is coming to prominence, like Kristen Pulisic, like, um, well, we should just sign Christian Pulisic. It's that easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there, there's uh, probably 15, 20 people who, is on, who were on Manny's list. Uh, the, what I put together was, was kind of just a, a brief look at that. Um, I think also someone like Cole Grossman, who plays for Stabek, um, is going to be on there. He's an American who's out of contract. Um, I also found one player. So Manny went and he saw Lilstrom twice. And at first I didn't think of anything of it, but then I looked at the Tippeligan table and they're 15th out of 16 teams. And so for a team that that's that low, it seemed a bit strange that Manny would go try to see them twice. And so I looked at their roster and there's one player who's out of contract at the end of this year. His name is Bonk Innocent. B-O-N-K-E, Innocent, as it sounds. He is a 20-year-old defensive midfielder from Nigeria. He also can play central midfield true, but he is best employed as a true defensive midfielder. Over the last couple of years, he's made, let's see, 36 starts since the beginning of 2015, coming to about 3,300 minutes. He has 12 yellow cards over two years. He got an assist this season. His uh, his social security number? uh, His social security number is um, 476-8888. one one five six, and uh, he's also done pretty well as far as like passing tackling. Uh, he's got an eighty three percent passing rate, and he averages a combined five tackles and assists per game, which is far and away the best yeah. on his team. So I, I think Lillestrom probably showed up twice because he wanted to get to a Sanyal game, which has Mahatma Oto plays for them, and then uh, Stabek was the other was the other guy. So maybe a coincidence, but Lillestrom came up, which is because it's funny. They're a tiny team. But. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the other thing on, on the radar, and we'll talk more about this next week, um, but there's the coin flip Sunday, 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 national it's, holiday. Yeah, yeah. It's, yep. Yeah, it's, uh, October 16th. And this is basically Manny is going to fly up. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra is going to fly up, uh, and Atlanta and Minnesota are going to duke it out to figure out who gets top priority in the expansion draft. I think I heard that Precky is flipping the coin. Yeah, that would be great. And then sinking underground yeah, for the rest yeah, of his yeah. life. This does doing like a uh, a little smoke thing, and then like <laughs> quite obviously walking away. You know, you can um, allocation order. All these things uh, will kind of get. We'll, we'll go through, and and we're gonna. Th- there will certainly be. Articles kind of explaining that process. Oh, um, oh there will be articles. Uh, the, the question is whether or not we can understand it first before we We're write We're going to have someone else write the articles for us with a <laughs> pen name, but we'll do it. Yeah, so um, th- that's basically Minnesota United uh, right now. We're still, we're still, I think, miles away from things like head coach announcement. Uh, big Sam withstanding. Big, big Sam withstanding, yeah, if that falls through. Um, and we're still miles away from, I think, players being signed. Right. Um, th- that that will happen. But basically, once from two weeks from now, I think we'll start seeing things come out really quickly. And then by the end of by mid November, it'll just be. It's a matter of when their season ends. Yeah, you know, I mean, they can't go at like if they're looking to interview anyone like a Robin Fraser, who's an assistant coach for Toronto right now, or any other manager who's in MLS. They have to wait 
until after those team seasons are done to avoid tampering rules. They'll they'll be able to. I mean, they'll be able to interview those guys, but they they certainly right? will be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they certainly will be. Um, doing that, I would expect them to be able to to make an announcement early mid November. So I, I think that means in October you'll have a short list and you'll have interviews happening. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk another time about uh, about um, targets. But Robin Fraser, yeah, is a name that came up when I just asked Matt Doyle um, from MLS in one of his periscopes who who he thought, and he brought up Robin's name, and I, um, he's assistant at Toronto, had a, a head coaching stint with Shivas uh, Shivas USA, and probably um, most prominently, he and Greg Vanny co coached. A girls' youth team out of Santa Barbara in the late nineties. Yeah, he is. Well, he is the Robin to Vanny's uh, Batman, um, <laughs> or something. Or something. Uh, his name is Robin. It's Frazier. too easy. You can't. I make literally him the didn't even think of that. When, no, I mean, it was somewhere in my brain. That's but. why the dumb look just went out. Yeah, no, that was. That was clever. That's why I proud. just stood up and walked out of this podcast. Um, okay, let's let's just finish on this of, of what 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 we're watching, what's coming up because it's international break weekend. So there's no MLS, there's no uh, in European league. So we're going to be stuck with uh, two meaningless losses, meaningless. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, we've got two United losses. So Minnesota Wednesday at Tampa Bay. Who you got? Uh, I, I I have uh, Tampa winning. I think that we're done. I think it's going to be a draw, just enough to give hope. And then I think uh, Saturday game against Puerto Rico. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the over under of how many people get Zika is four. Can we name those players? Yeah, I bet actually, we let's do it. Yeah. Danny Cruz, safe. Oh, poor, oh he's safe. No, who, no, who? no, no. I, I think he's getting it. Oh, okay. I think Danny it's safe Cruz to assume is, with how many random uh, injuries he's got. Yeah, sorry, Danny. Who else is vulnerable for Zika? Carl's already had it this year. Carl Craig has. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's been sick for like two months. He's got to <laughs> have Zika. By yeah. Now. Yeah, uh, I think, um, let's see. Yeah, sorry. I think um, Venegas gets it. Um, I think uh, um, it's probably Spees. He's a little bit consumptive anyway. I can see that. Uh, and then I'm just going to go with uh, Jack Blake. That dude gets it, yeah. I could see I could see Zach being ter- or Jack being terrified of mosquitoes because Jack is going to show up in Puerto Rico in like full uh, British um, colonial garb with a you know the the safari hat. He has helmet a three corner hat, yeah. Like the I've got a safari helmet. In, oh yeah. in, in this room here. Yeah, Jack's going to pick that up tomorrow. Yeah, Jack's Jack's going to show up with his pumpkin spice latte and um, and so uh, yeah, I think those guys get it. Those, those are those savvy guys. picks. So those are yeah. I, I don't know if anyone else has any uh, nominees for for. Um, Zika candidates of, of the year. And then um, U.S. are going to Cuba to play a match. Speaking of getting uh, Zika, um, and uh, that's Friday, right? It's Friday, yeah, Friday at 3 p.m. 3 o'clock Central. Central. Yeah. Um, so it's the first time they've played since 1947 on Cuban soil. So that's going to be a massive, uh, massive game. Historically, probably not as... I mean, this... Actually, who are we kidding? The Cuba-New Zealand pairing is the biggest pairing of teams we faced internationally in friendlies since Germany and the Netherlands back-to-back in 2015. Powerhouses. Massive powerhouses. Both are islands, so there's that to it. Next, we'll play American Samoa and Guam. Bring um, it. So uh, that's the end of the show. Yeah. That's 551. Uh, my name is Wes Berdine. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MNNiceFC. Uh, Jeff, where, where are you? I am at J E F F R U E T E R, Jeff Ruder. 
Uh, great. And so we'd like to thank you for listening. Um, uh, we will have information about uh, subscription, uh, wherever you found this in general, subscribe to it. Um, leave a, 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 a kind note, send us some questions for next week, uh, so that we have, uh, um, total jackassery to respond and send to. Send us a muffin basket because that's a nice gesture. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. And also, thank you to uh, Big Quarters. But yeah, Big Quarters uh, is a hip-hop group from Minneapolis who uh, provided the music. And uh, we'll talk to you next week uh, amidst the darkness. So go live in darkness, my friends. <laughs>